Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, we're going to talk about Anthony Edwards' start to the season, his shot selection specifically. What kind of shots is he taking? What does he need to say tighten up a little bit here moving forward. Also, some praise for both Carl Anthony Towns and Jaden McDaniels. We'll also look at the tough upcoming schedule and an interesting Chris Finch quote after the from after the game on Wednesday after the win over the Nuggets. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com/slash NBA and use the code, all lowercase, Locked On NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. And a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. That can be found on both Amazon, Fire TV, and Roku. More great local sports coverage 24-7, and it's free. Download the app today on Roku or Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on X. That's at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon. Oh, and one other thing. The Wolves take on the Utah Jazz Saturday night. It's a 7 p.m. Central tip. And you can actually listen to that game on the SiriusXM app, which is uh, on SiriusXM, which is the SXM app. The Wolves, again, play host to the Utah Jazz Saturday night. Catch every bucket called by the fantastic Alan Horton. Again, the SXM app. Just search Minnesota Timberwolves. All right. Let's uh, let's talk Anthony Edwards. So obviously on the heels of a massive uh, blowout win over the Denver Nuggets on Wednesday, and there's a lot of reasons why it's a big deal, right? Obviously the defending champs coming off of the debacle in Atlanta on Monday night, the terrible second half collapse, and then also the fact this team would have been one and three, which is of course hardly an insurmountable um, you know start to the season. But one and three, when you're staring down the barrel of the schedule, we're going to go down, you know, go through later with Boston. You know, just a couple of games from now, Utah's no slouch there. Saturday, um, it, the Pelicans upcoming. It's a tough schedule, and sitting one and three would not have felt good. So it's big for all of those reasons. And I, you know, I I I've gone back and forth this week on you know really like great highs, pretty significant lows. You know, been a little bit of a roller coaster. I want to do a little bit of both today, and I want to start with Anthony Edwards, and and to be clear, he's been really good to start the season, but I want to talk about his shot selection, which has been less than good, and it's the whole, like, I, you know, I'm digging in on this because I love Anthony Edwards, and he is a star already. He could go from star to superstar this season, as we've talked about at length on the show, but so far this season, the one thing that's holding him back from being one of the best players in the league through the first week, week and a half is just the shot selection. Everything else about his game has been fantastic. In fact, most of the overall kind of catch-all underlying metrics, which are a bit silly, admittedly, after you know less than 200 minutes of basketball for any individual player in the league so far this year, they all really like what Ant's been doing so far, right? The assist rate is up again. The, the rebound rate is in the same neighborhood as last year. Those things factor into it. The, um, you know, the usage and assist rate are up. Well, the turnover rate is basically flat. 
all that stuff's great. But the three-point rate is down, as is the free-throw rate. And long-term, that's going to be an issue for him in terms of scoring the basketball efficiently. And if you've watched any, you know, if you've caught any piece of the Timberwolves over the first four games of the season, you've no doubt seen Anthony Edwards jack a ton of mid-range jumpers at the rim. That's just what he's been doing so far this season. And the numbers bear that out. So far this year, 38% of his shot attempts have come from between 3 and 16 feet, which is a bit of a weird stat because, um, you know, obviously the painted area is is a pretty good chunk of that. But not every shot in the paint is necessarily a good shot, especially when you have the explosion that Anthony Edwards does and the ability to get all the way to the rim and hopefully draw a foul. He's also shooting a lot of non-paint twos, which the way I'm breaking this down, I'm just using the basketball reference because, again, like, the, the amount of data is so small. I'm just using what basketball reference has in terms of their areas of the floor. 38% are between 3 and 16 feet. Only 13.9%, so we'll just call it 14% of his shot attempts, have come within 3 feet of the basket. So basically at the rim this year. And only 30% have come from outside the arc. The worst stat, though, of all of it, well, actually the rim thing is probably the worst. Only 14% of Anthony Edwards' shot attempts are coming at the rim. Only or uh, On the flip side of that, 17%, nearly one in five of Anthony Edwards' shot attempts through four games has come from outside or 16 feet away from the basket or further, but inside the three-point line. So the definition of the worst, most inefficient shot, a long-range two-pointer. Nearly one in five, and he's shot the ball more times from 16 feet, two-point two point attempts from greater than 16 feet than he has at the rim. And yet... Despite all of it, he's still turning in good, good overall numbers, right? His effective field goal percentage is actually right now higher than it he finished last year. It's at almost 54%. Last year, he was a shade under 53%. The effective field goal percentage is still really, really good. The true shooting percentage would still be a career high for him if it stayed this way the whole season. Nearly 58% true shooting. Because he shot the ball so well in general, and also because he's shooting 54% on his three-point attempts, um, even though he's taking less of them. So obviously none of this is sustainable. And the, and the effective field goal and true shooting is buoyed by the, the crazy 54% on three-pointers. But what is that? It's 13 to 24, right? He's only shooting, if you want to look at this in a more tangible way, like a per-game number, he's only attempting six threes per game. Last year, he was over seven. Two years ago, he was over eight threes per game. So more attempts at the rim, more attempts outside the arc, that's what we need to see from Anthony Edwards. And Chris Finch has alluded to it, alluded to that too. Um, I said something on Twitter. I think this was before the Nuggets game. I believe it was during the day, the day of the Nuggets game. That in the first three games this year, and I don't remember seeing this in the Denver game, but Ant has attempted a difficult, attempted and made a really tough mid-range two-point shot. I think all of them, at least two of them, were turnaround jumpers, a la Kobe, a la Michael Jordan. Um you know, 18 footers from the mid range, the hand in his face, an impossible shot. The one he made against Atlanta on Monday was like twisting the opposite directions from the right side of the floor. And he twisted back to his left shoulder baseline and made this crazy fadeaway. And if you watch the guys on the bench, they all just started laughing. Like it was a ridiculous shot. And of course that kind of, for me was a sign that like, Hey, now Ant, Ant's going to do this the rest of the game, right? And it's not, you know, he didn't shoot a bunch of those shots necessarily, but he suddenly becomes this, he thinks he's a mid-range maestro 
And in reality, his mid-range percentage, this this number has been floated around Twitter quite a bit, his his shooting percentage on mid-range jumpers is not very good. It's actually It was actually one of the worst in the league last year. So it's great that he can make them if he needs to because there are those moments late in the shot clock, late in the game even if you can't find a better shot. Like it's good that he has the skill set to make an MJ shot, to make a Kobe shot. But that's not the most, when he's athletic and bi- as athletic and as big as he is, and as good of a three-point shooter as he is, I mean, almost 36% for his career, despite only 33% as a rookie, like since then, he's been league average or above, like shoot more threes, get to the rim more. And I know it's, well, it really shouldn't be that much easier said than done because we know what he's capable of. So that's what's so frustrating. Um, now, the 54% from three, obviously not sustainable. The overall offensive performance um, with this shot selection the shot distribution for Ant is also not sustainable. He's got to shoot more at the rim. He's got to get to the line more often. Um, he's only attempted, what, 17 free throws in four games, which is, that's just not enough. The free throw rate is lower than we're used to seeing. It's a full free throw attempt less per game than he had last season. He's making them at a great clip, but, you know, such a small sample, it doesn't even really matter yet. So shot distribution for Ant has to improve. Um, it You know, it was obvious watching it, when you look at the numbers, it, it it bears out exactly what we've all seen with our eyes. He just needs to make better decisions. And, um, you know, I, I obviously coaching is a big part of that. Teammates have to hold him accountable. And he's just got to be more consistent with those decisions, especially in the half court. Uh, next one I want to do, lots to get to. I want to get to some Carl Anthony Towns and Jaden McDaniels points. I want to talk about the tough upcoming schedule. A Chris Finch quote related to Wednesday and also the upcoming schedule. And then a couple of additional notes um, related to, uh, I guess, I guess really it's the schedule, but also the team defense. I mean, like, right. Don't look now the Wolves team defense is turning in sparkling marks. If you look at, look at any underlying metrics through, of course, just four games, but it all looks really, really good. I want to talk about that a little bit later too. It's all upcoming next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch your winnings roll in. Right now with basketball season here and also the heat of football season, you can pick Combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, if the Wolves ever play the same night as, say, the, I guess, say the Vikings, right? You could take uh, Cam Akers, um, Cam Akers yards plus Carl Anthony Towns points more than, you know, I don't know, that would be a pretty big number, right? More than 45, right? Or to use a random NFL example, you could say LeBron and Travis Kelsey combined for more than 10 and a half uh, combo for three-pointers made and reception. So you can take these fun, um, you know, combination from across sports. It's it's awesome. Plus, Prize Picks now has a reboot policy, so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball. If you have a player who exits in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily sports daily fantasy sports platform with an in- injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA and use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA. Use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. 
A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every dayers will be back again on Monday. We will be breaking down Saturday's game against the Utah Jazz and previewing Monday against the Celtics. That will be Monday's show and, of course, daily all throughout next week, Monday through Friday. Plus, the postcast will start appearing in this audio feed. If you're listening to the audio on whatever, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, the live postcast, which will be typically hosted by Luke Inman of Lockdown Sports Minnesota, occasionally myself, but usually Luke, and then the guests will be rotating cast of characters, primarily from Katie Supis, Jack Borman, and um, Tyler Metcalf, both do a great job. Check that out in this audio feed Saturday night. If you can watch it live, it'll be on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel right after the game. And then again, this show will be back again on Monday, Monday through Friday of next week. Post-game pods posting. Um, actually, the YouTube videos are likely going to drop the same night as the game, but the audio will be first thing the following morning moving forward. All right. A uh, couple more things to get to here. Let's talk about first Jade McDaniels. Uh, just a really brief, you're just talking about positives to start the season. Now, McDaniels has only played two games, right? He only played in Atlanta on Monday and at home against Denver on Wednesday. He's been really good. We know about the solid line he turned in in Atlanta. I think he was, what, five or six from the floor? Um, actually, hang on. I have it right here. It was a nearly perfect shooting night. Uh, maybe it was perfect. It was perfect. I don't know. Five or six from the floor. Perfect from outside the arc. In 24 minutes. Then he gets the Nuggets. He was a little bit quieter. Was in some foul trouble. Turned it over a little bit. But he still had six points, nine rebounds, a couple of blocks, and a couple of assists. And the way he's moving is really impressive. He just looks so comfortable on the floor. And I think his decision-making in the half court has been impressive. The rebounding's been huge. I mean, 12 rebounds over two games. Yes, it's two games. But if we can see that rebound rate tick upwards for Jaden McDaniels, I talked about it a bunch this offseason. I mean, that's that's going to be huge. If you can get Jaden McDaniels at the three to rebound above where we've seen him rebound for his career to this point at the four, that's going to make a big difference in the longer term. And we'll talk about this a little bit more here in a minute. The Wolves are still the number one team in the league in terms of defensive rebound rate. This is, I guess, entry and play Thursday, although there were a lot less games Thursday night. So surely entering games Friday, it'll be the same deal. Defensive rebounding has been strong for the Wolves. And we talked about this the other day before the Nuggets game, but there's several guys we can pat on the back for that. Obviously, Rudy, Cats rebounding the ball better than last year. Um, Troy Brown hasn't been in the rotation since McDaniels came back, but he's been good on the glass. McDaniels has been great on the glass. And the guards, like Ant's, and, you know, Ant's been in the same neighborhood as his rebound rate from last year. And Conley, 6% rebound rate. It's not going to jump off the page until you remember he's a point guard, and that's still almost twice what D'Angelo Russell was turning in last year. So it's a team effort, but really encouraged of, what I've seen so far from in terms of activity level from Jaden McDaniels defensively and on the glass, really, really good to see. Also, speaking of defense, Carl Anthony Towns, fantastic defensively against Jokic. We talked about on the postgame pod on Thursday how he was physical with Jokic. He got into him. He got a couple of fouls called early, early in the first seven, eight minutes of the game. Not another personal foul the rest of the game on either end of the floor for Carl Anthony Towns was solid. Gave Joker more than a run for his money, and this was tweeted out by Alan Horton, of course, the Wolves' fantastic play-by-play announcer. He said that when Jokic had Cat as his primary defender, Nikola Jokic was just 5 of 14 shooting and had three turnovers. That, again, is according to Alan Horton. In the playoffs last year, Cat held Jokic to 38% shooting from the field, also part of Alan's tweet. And um, that 
the quick math tells me that's actually about exactly the same, right? Five of 14 shooting is about 38% from the field in that neighborhood. Again, three turnovers Jokic committed with Towns of the primary defender. And I, I, you know, I feel like I always have to add this caveat. I'm not at all suggesting that the Wolves have the recipe to beating Jokic. Like, two-time MVP, they're the champions. Like, you're not going to beat them four times this year, right? That's just not realistic. But to create an environment in which you have the best opportunity to win and maybe create some of that variance, try to make the Nuggets uncomfortable, try to make Joker uncomfortable. And I think Towns and the Timberwolves did that on Wednesday night. And credit to the coaching staff for the game plan, credit to Cat, and really the whole the whole defensive unit for executing. And and I don't want to rehash too much of what I said Thursday, but Cat getting into Jokic, Gobert essentially playing free safety, playing off of Aaron Gordon in the dunker spot and patrolling the lane and uh really kind of the 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 baseline in general. And then the length of Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, Mike Conley, just building a wall in essence and being athletic and long and in passing lanes and stepping up when they need to and trying to take away backdoor cuts, trying to take away these uh, the passes that Jokic likes to throw, um, disrupting the timing of Jokic and the Nuggets offense. That was all very impressive. And I, I really don't want to lose sight of how good Carl Anthony Towns was to, you know, to, in order to execute this. And, and again, the whole unit, yes, but Cat maintained his composure, wasn't getting the calls he felt he deserved on the offensive end of the floor, but still did his job on the defensive end of the floor and was fantastic when he was matched up directly with Jokic. So a really solid Carl Anthony Towns game. Um, very, very, very impressive. And, you know, I don't, I don't believe I gave him one of the studs after the game when on the, on the postgame pod on Thursday. Uh, because the offensive numbers weren't, you know, quite to where we'd want to see them. But the combined effort on both ends of the floor, like Towns has left in general, the the body of work through four games leaves a little to be desired for Carl Anthony Towns. But the Joker matchup on Wednesday against the Nuggets was fantastic. And Cat is on the right track. His three-point shot eventually is going to fall. He's going to get a few more foul calls at some point. Please, NBA officials, give Carl Anthony Towns some foul calls. We'll get there. Um... I still, I still believe it. Um, I, I think Towns is training in the right direction. I do believe that. And some of these upcoming matchups, even though they're tough overall, they might not be, you know, they might not be the worst matchups to get Towns going either. Um, so a little bit more on that. I want to talk about the schedule next. I also want to talk about the number one ranked defense in the NBA. Your Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's talk about some of those peripheral numbers, the underlying metrics that support why the Wolves are the number one defense in the league. We'll get to all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. November is a great sports month. Yes, baseball's over, but hockey's in full swing. College basketball starts this week. I believe the Gophers tip off maybe on Monday. Um with a with like an actual real game. I think they had an exhibition maybe last night. Um, and of course, uh, pro football, college football, NBA. Uh, win totals are out there. Lines for each game. The, the FanDuel doesn't have a line yet as of this recording for Wolves uh, Jazz on Saturday, but we'll check in on those lines next week for games when we do the uh, pregame shows or uh, previews, I should say. The app at FanDuel is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Anything you want to find, you can find it at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. 
FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right. Um, let's talk upcoming schedule. Well, actually, no, let's do this first. Well, yeah, let's talk upcoming schedule. Let's do that and then and then get into some of these matchups and and the encouragement of the Timberwolves defense and uh, you know, so what I think they'll be able to handle these matchups really well. Um upcoming schedule for the Wolves. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it right there on your screen. Timberwolves had the Utah Jazz Saturday night. They're in this every other playing every other day rhythm. I think part of it is there's some of those tournament the um in season tournament games starting this week. So the Wolves play every other day. No back-to-backs on the horizon at all yet. Wolves have the Jazz at home Saturday. They continue the homestand with Boston on Monday. The Pelicans next Wednesday. And then the Wolves' first in-season tournament game themselves. I believe this is the first one. At the Spurs next Friday night. They go back out on the road. Then at the Warriors a week from Sunday. So the next five are really tough. I mean, it's it's fair to assume that at least four of those five are going to be playoff teams. I wouldn't assume that maybe for the Jazz. Okay, so three of the five. But the Jazz are decent, and of course, Wembenyama is Wembenyama, and the Spurs were 2-2 two and two entering that Phoenix game on Thursday. Um, and at last I saw, I believe that they were losing. Uh, let's see. Actually, no, the Spurs are up in the fourth quarter of this game, believe it or not. Um, so who knows? I mean, the Spurs might be 3-2 and two and have beaten the Suns twice. Like, we'll see. All that to say, it's not an easy schedule by any stretch of the imagination. And... After the game on Wednesday, Chris Finch was asked if he was excited about how his team uh, held their own, or not just held their own. I forget how the question was phrased, but basically, are you happy with the collapse that happened on Monday in Atlanta, given that collapse that happened on Monday? Are you happy with the team's response on Wednesday and how the Timberwolves were able to maintain having another 19-point second uh, halftime lead, getting down closer to single digits and then pushing it back up over 20 what did you feel about that? And Chris Finch said, the maturity the maturity comes when you stack performances like this on top of each other. So that remains to be seen. But this was a great focused effort, executed everything that we talked about really well at a high level. So yeah, it's nice. It's nice that they did this. But Chris Finch, I mean, like he was around, I don't know, he was around for 82 regular season games last year in the playoffs, Right. He's familiar with this team turning in a good performance against a good team and then turning around and having a stinker against a lesser team. And the Jazz aren't bad, but the Wolves are favored. They're going to be favored Saturday. Like the Wolves should beat the Utah Jazz at home, um, you know, on normal rest, right? So it's a game the Wolves should win. We all saw last year the Wolves should have won in Atlanta. They lost. They shouldn't have beaten Denver, you know, for, for all intents and purposes. They did. And now we expect them to beat a team like New Orleans. What's going to happen, or excuse me, like Utah, um, last year's Wolves, Chris Finch has seen this song and dance before. This is the sort of rhythm that last year's team was in, and he's saying, can we stack these performances? Because, of course, Boston's Monday, so it's set up for the same thing to happen, right? Are they going to lose Saturday against a lesser Jazz team and then beat one of the best teams in the league again on Monday in, in Boston? Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully that's not how it happens. Hopefully they win both those games, right? But Chris Finch, he's seen this before. He knows what to expect and what the Wolves have to try and avoid, frankly. Um, I alluded to this earlier. The Timberwolves entering play on Thursday had the number one defensive rating in the entire league through four games. A uh, The number one defensive rating, they've got the number one defensive rebound rate, and they also have the number one defensive free throw rate. What I mean by that is free throw attempts per field goal attempts. 
Number one in the league, opponents are only averaging 14 and a half free throw attempts per game so far this year for the Wolves. And the free throw per field goal attempt rate, which is, well, exactly what it sounds like. So how many free throws does the opponent shoot uh, per field goal attempt is just 0.12, which is incredibly low, obviously not sustainable, but really positive because this is a team that for the past couple of years has followed like crazy. Remember, even two years ago when this was a a solid defensive team pre-Rudy Gobert, they were a good defensive rebounding team. I'm sorry, they were a poor defensive rebounding team, but they turned other teams over. Uh, They fouled a lot, but they blocked shots, right? Like there were these certain redeeming qualities and it was basically like an all or nothing type defense. It was almost like an NFL defense that relies on blitzing a bunch, right? Um, Well, and also the Wolves blitz a lot in the perimeter, right? That's how they tried to generate these turnovers with Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt. Last year, it was a more traditionally solid half-court defense. Defensive rebounding was still weirdly bad, but it was a good defense overall. Now this year, so far at least, we're seeing the best of both worlds, um, at least in terms of last year's team and then a traditional you know, defense that can actually rebound the basketball. Number one in defensive rating, number one in opponent free throw rate, number one in defensive rebound rate. Opponent field goal percentage is, um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. Like they're doing a pretty good job. That's a flukier number. Um, so, and turnover rate, by the way, 17th. So like, you know, middle of the pack opponent defensive, excuse me, opponent effective field goal percentage is eighth in the league, just over 50%. So all the way around, the Wolves have been fantastic defensively in my mind for all but three quarters, really this year, the first quarter against Atlanta and the second half against Atlanta were miserable. Besides that, this has been a really strong defensive team through four games and it has to continue if the Wolves are going to come up with, you know, call it two out of three wins, you know, I'm going to throw up the schedule again here. Um, you know, on paper, you would say, oh, they should be able, they should be able to beat the Jazz. I know the Pelicans are off to a good start, but they should beat the Jazz, Pelicans, Spurs. They might lose at home to the Celtics and on the road to the Warriors. If you come through the stretch at three and two, and now you're looking at a record that's five and four, that's not a terrible first nine games, especially given the Wolves already lost at Toronto and already lost at Atlanta, right? So three and two in this stretch is doable. The Wolves have to keep showing up defensively and all the offensive stuff that we talked about. That's that's got to get that's got to get figured out too um, in terms of Ant's shot selection, the overall ball movement, etc. Which again, we saw progress on Wednesday. But uh, as Chris Finch said in his words, can they stack these performances performances on top of one another? All right. Once again, a reminder: Saturday night, seven p.m. You can listen to the Wolves play the Utah Jazz at seven p.m. Central on the hometown broadcast with Alan Horton on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Minnesota Timberwolves. There will be a live postcast that will be on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel with Luke Inman and Tyler Metcalf. And the audio should post over the weekend at some point right here on the Lockdown Sports, excuse me, Lockdown Wolves audio feed. Then Monday we'll be back with a, what will basically be a postgame pod from Saturday's game. We'll preview Wolves Celtics Monday night. We'll take a peek at the week ahead and normal Monday through Friday podcasts throughout next week right here at Lockdown Wolves. A big thank you for making this show your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find this show. You can also watch in the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Yeah, and of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, 
and we'll catch you next time.